welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I am your host, Sarah Sin, or just Sin for short. Here with me is Nina of Evil and my partner in crime, Nathaniel. Hi, everyone. On the show, again, we don't just talk about horror movies, our love for them, and analyze them. We also try to bring in the element of horror and history, how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears, especially in the decade they were made in. And then since I'm a psychology major, we try to bring in the element of mental health, whether it be how specific horror movie or horror movies in general can be therapeutic or how the horror movie we're watching actually reflects mental health in any ways. So we ended our month of February with werewolves and we're entering our month of March, which we decided to do Night of the Cryptids, which is kind of funny because, uh, cryptids actually kind of goes with werewolves because werewolves are considered a cryptid in some folklore and society so uh, in case people out there don't know uh what a cryptid is is according to Merriam webster an animal that's been claimed to exist but never proven to exist so basically it's a creature out there that people say exists people have said to have seen it had experiences with it. there's no actual proof it exists out there so these are things like the Loch Ness Monster, um, werewolves, because there's the Michigan Dogman. There's Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil. Here in my state of Vermont, we have Champ in Lake Champlain. He's our own little cryptid. Mothman, um, the Chupacabra, Skunk Ape, Yeti. There's so many different cryptids. So we decided to have a movie each week that focuses on a specific cryptid. So. Tonight's episode is 2014's Dark Was the Night, directed by Jack Heller, starring Kevin as Sheriff Paul Shields, which I usually just call him Sheriff Shields, Lucas Haas as Donnie Saunders, uh, Bianca, where I'm going to mess up the name, Kajlik as Susan Shields, uh, Nick Damici as Earl, Heath Freeman as Jim, and then there's Sabrina as Claire. And there's a few more people, but I just go by the first whatever IMDb says. Sure. Horror history, I got a few things. Um, there's like fear of losing a loved one, um, dealing with the loss of a loved one. There's fear of the unknown, uh, fear of what may be out there, uh, fear of invasion, um, fear of not being able to pre- uh, protect those you love, um, fear of what happens when, well, you piss off Mother Nature. Psychology, we got a lot of like, there's grief, there's suffering, primal fear, guilt, depression, devastation, stress, um, dealing with life, like whatever life throws at you. There's a looming gloom. There's a little bit of like loss of faith, but ending um, faith and then dev- uh, already said devastation. So this movie actually, since, like I said, we don't go along a canon or you know from beginning to end this one um has the wendigo in it which um, i know a lot a little bit about because of native american it's um a big one in native american folklore native american community uh the wendigo wendigo or wendiga there's different names about it so this yeah, I remember hearing about this. So this is a, a cryptid I actually um, enjoy studying and learning more about because it's a very interesting one. And there's been a few movies on it. We got It's got like human attributes. It's kind of a spirit, they say, that possesses a person. Um, it tends to like colder weather. It's like a winter creature. Um, it's a cannibal. It murders, kills, hunts, has an insatiable hunger, always hunger, uh, always satisfied. It's greedy, selfish, and gluttonous. It's said to be anywhere from like eight feet to 15 feet tall. <laughs> it's emaciated looking, sometimes covered in matted hair. It's got the sharp teeth, the claws. Some say it has black eyes. Some say it has like glowing yellow eyes. Um, and it has an insatiable taste for human flesh. So, and there's many different ways that Wendigo can come about. Uh, one is it can be cursed by a shaman or basically cursed by another person or by magic. Um, if a person is selfish, greedy, or gluttonous, they leaves that person more vulnerable for a Wendigo spirit to possess them. Or 
when a person resorts to cannibalism, whether for survival or not, they end up turning into Wendigo. So they're dangerous, they're fast, they're, they use the trees, they're experts at hiding. Um, that's a lot of the lore I remember of Wendigo. So I'm not sure about you, Nathaniel, but is there anything else you wanted to add about like horror history or psychology? Well, I mean, Wendigo yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> when watching this movie, I was, it, it's, the, I mean, you said it, you say it's about a Wendigo, but I don't, I don't really see a Wendigo in it. Um, but uh, it's, um, but yeah, I always knew it as, uh, as the idea that uh, you become one by eating human flesh. Um, and it was supposed to be uh, the, the metaphor uh, or allegory there being uh, don't eat your neighbors in time of famine uh, or during the cold months. Um, in fact, that was when I did a little bit of research into the Wendigo lore uh, for this episode. They, uh, for a long time, I think up until not too long ago, um, the Algonquins uh, would do yeah. a uh, uh, ceremonial dance. Uh, the last one was done in the United States. Uh, at the Leech Lake Indian Reservation in northern Minnesota, um, that uh, they basically would do a satirical dance to ward off the Wendigo, but also to reinforce the taboo: don't, don't, we, we shouldn't be eating each other. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah. So, the, the, other than that, what I've read is, uh, from what I've read, is that the Wendigo uh, is usually a person that's turned into something. So, it's, it's a. Uh, I never really considered it that much of a, of a cryptid uh, a la like Bigfoot, but um, this movie, like it, it sort of uses, it uses the term in like a Google search. Um, but the, the creatures themselves don't really bear any resemblance to any Wendigo lore, um, which is a little strange to Not me. Not really. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's the Wendigo is an interesting thing. I mean, I, I mostly, I remember being first, introduced to the concept of the Wendigo from Marvel comics uh, when I was uh, uh, younger. Um, There was a a villainous creature known as the Wendigo that would be born from eating human flesh. uh, I think made its first appearance fighting Wolverine uh, in something. Actually, actually, I think Hulk was fighting the Wendigo in Wolverine's first appearance way back in the 1970s. so I knew about the wow. Wendigo predominantly from that, where he looked more, uh, the comic book version looked way more like a Yeti and had way more in, in common with the Yeti. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I actually thought that when watching this movie, I was like, actually, but a, a better Wendigo movie is actually probably like Ravenous. Um, then, uh, which would be, uh, which was about people gaining superpowers from eating human flesh and, and becoming, uh, insatiable in their need to eat human flesh. Um, so, I mean, that, so the monsters in this, like more look like kind of like lizard people and which is fine, but, but yeah, it's, uh, the Wendigo is a, is an interesting, uh, is a really, really interesting, uh, uh, slice of folklore. The first time I heard about it funny, uh, funny is actually have a native American mother Mm -hmm. was through, um, Scary stories to tell in the dark. Okay, yeah. One of the stories was about a Wendigo. Yeah. And it was one of the stories that was one of my favorite. And I remember being like, oh, I really like this. But but the reason why I never heard it wasn't part of her actual tribe's heritage. Mm -hmm. Theirs is Sasquatch. Her actual tribe, which Bigfoot movie, I will get into my family story about how my grandfather actually had an encounter with Sasquatch, and it is true. Nice. My grandfather believed it, my mom believed it, so but that was that was their tribe was Sasquatch. He protected yep. the woods, he protected the tribe, so when Digos wasn't much I heard about. My mom was like, first of all, you never say the word Skinwalker unless you want to invite that spirit or that creature to your house or right. to you so that was the only thing she ever knew about those so mm-hmm. but the wendigo was first introduced to me just through scary stories tell in the dark and once i read it i was like oh no more thing. so yeah. no the, the they're not they don't look like a lot of wendigos but um 
it's supposed to be Wendigo. I think they were just taking like a creative outlet on how they did it. But it does remind me more, yeah, of like the lizard people that is another cryptid that people have encountered. Yeah. More so than an actual Wendigo is supposed to look like. But people also get Wendigos actually confused with skinwalkers, yeah. which they're two completely different things. Uh, skinwalkers are actual shapeshifters that can turn into whatever animal they possess, whether it be they put the hide on or they eat it or however else. Yeah. Wendigos are not that. I think they're, they're shapeshifters. They talk in other people's voices. They mimic people, but they're not. They're, that's a skinwalker. Right. Completely different. So a lot of people are too confused. And I'm like, nope, two completely different cryptids, two completely different creatures, two completely different folklores. So that is one thing I will say is, confused a lot which i can understand they have some similarities but they are completely different yeah but i guess for um this movie like i said i mean it's supposed to be about wendy goes so which is why i choose i chose it and also because i actually really enjoyed this movie it was one of those random movies i found again on one of my lists of movies you've heard of or things like that and the first thing i noticed about this movie was the color scheme it's mm-hmm. very, it's shot in a lot of like grays and blues, mm-hmm. like very gloomy, depressing tones of color. It has a very gloomy and depressing atmosphere, yeah. which, you know, symbolizes grief and depression, guilt and sadness, which we will, we do find out is because our main character, Sheriff Shields has lost a child. Yes. He lost his, his son. I don't know if he was the younger son or the older son. They never explained, but he lost one of his children, Tim. So as you're watching the movie, like I just noticed like this washout and you're watching it and it's very gloomy and sad and like depressing. And then you notice you hear little bits of here and there. And then you hear the actual story of what happened to Tim. And you realize why it's shot in those colors. It's because the main focus I feel like almost like this movie isn't really a monster movie. It's more about Sheriff Shields dealing with his grief. I agree. And there's kind yeah. of like a monster thrown in there. Yes. It's like how he deals with grief, how he's dealing with his sadness, how he's dealing with his guilt. But then they throw in a monster. Yes. On top of it. And the monster for his, monsters almost a metaphor for like that grief and sadness. And it's invading his space or him. So that was the first thing I noticed. It's just that color scheme, and it's very. I yeah. think it fits the movie very, very well. Yeah. So I don't know if you caught that at all, but oh no, I I agree uh, that the movie uh, the movie's strong points are are its character work uh, and, and predominantly the performance of uh, Kevin Durant, um, who I remember as the villainous uh, Martin Kimi from Lost. Um, he was and uh, Durant uh, gives a really, really, really uh, for such a kind of. a a big it's a very it's not common for uh, an actor of the sort of the stature of kevin durand to play such a sensitive role um that he would fits in he fits in way better into the action movie he-man kind of uh uh mold so it's really interesting to see him having you know tears in his eyes and 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 uh and mourning his son um And so that I think that's it's actually its strongest point and to the point where I actually almost feel like when the monsters finally do show up, I'm kind of like uh, not that interested in the monsters anymore. Like I'm like, I, I right. actually want to see how his story plays out. Like, you know, um, and yeah. I, my one of my primary criticisms of this movie is I don't feel like the monster connects with the story well enough in terms of uh, in terms of metaphor. I don't I think there are a lot of ideas being thrown out in this movie that don't quite connect the way as well as they probably should. Um, uh, notably, the one that I, that my, my, my first thought, you mentioned the color scheme. My first thought was noticing the specific imagery the show that the, the film was utilizing, which was they showed the town, they showed a teepee, uh, and then they show a church, and then they show an American flag. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's the type of movie we're going to talk about. And it never comes up um, that uh, and which is why I say, like, if you really wanted to talk about the Wendigo, um, why wasn't this? And it's bad criticism. It's actually come up lately on Twitter. It's, it's sort of bad criticism to be like what this what movies should be about versus what they are about. But um, I feel like there's a, a, a true metaphor here about uh, uh, invasion 
of uh, of woodland spaces or sacred spaces that have consequences mm-hmm. um and it's never it's it's brought up as the as the uh uh explanation as to why the monsters have attacked this small town which i think is in upstate new york i think is where it's supposed to be like on the canadian border um and uh and uh, I so i'm like so i remember yeah, I don't think they ever say it. Uh, they just mentioned that Lucas Haas's character is from New York City. Um, it's from New York. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I think it's supposed to be upstate New York, but I don't recognize the names of the towns. Um, but the but so that's sort of the explanation is that like they they you know as the the dwarves of Moria in Lord of the Rings you know they dug too deep and now these monsters have been awakened and are coming south to attack uh, uh, populated areas. Um, and then there's the, there's, so there's that element that's sort of brought up and then there's the grief element and then there's monsters and they don't seem to have any connection to either one. And um, uh, you could make something of a, and I was thinking about it to the idea of you could make something of a stretch, not too much of a stretch to be the idea of, as you kind of said, like uh, uh, the monsters representing sort of a loss of control or a loss of that uh, uh, Sheriff Shields is going through, that he's just trying to keep everything together and these and in his in his personal life and therefore the town becomes um a metacosm of his life and what's going on with him um and it's it it's a it's a very 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 heartfelt very thoughtful story um that i very much enjoy uh and you really get invested in sheriff shields and uh and his his plight um oh yeah yeah and uh but yeah, I mean, the, I, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's, I mean, that's my primary criticism. I mean, I mean, obviously we want to talk more like what the movie, what works with the movie. And I think it's very much, it's, it's yeah. Kevin Durant. Yeah. I, I think the Wendigos actually in a way, I think, I feel they do fit because Wendigos possess those who are vulnerable and says they're greedy, selfish, and gluttonous. People are most vulnerable when they're dealing with grief or um, depression or guilt or, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's when they lead, a lot of times when they're feeling those feelings, they lead to the life of greed and gluttonous or sometimes addiction and things like that, causing them to be more vulnerable for that spirit to possess them. So I feel like, for me, in a way, I think think the Wendigo, but these aren't Wendigos that possess people. They are actual creatures, but still, I think symbolically people who know the Wendigo, I think they're basing it on that people know the lore mm. so that they, they might know the lore that they can possess people who are vulnerable to know that, but not everyone knows that. So for me, I see it as like, he's vulnerable because of everything through. Therefore the Wendigos are like, I'm kind of a metaphor of that, that can quote possess him, but that's just me. I mean, I just, I, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of like symbolism and metaphors to be quite honest in this movie, but I do, I do feel like this movie is more of a movie about Sheriff Shield, what he's going through and what he's trying to go through. And not at the same time as he trying to deal with the grief and guilt of his child, the loss of his child, mm. because he feels that it is his fault. The town because something's invading the town and they don't know what it is. Right. So not only is he dealing with his own obstacles and triumph or, you know, tribulation, he now has to protect these people, which I don't know how many people are in the town, but there's people in the town that he has to protect, which actually kind of comes to my next thing I noticed, which was there's no coincidence that there is a snowstorm coming in this movie. That mm-hmm. there's like, that's what they keep talking about is the uncoming storm. There's a big storm. And then at the climax of the movie, the storm there because snowstorms symbolize um, problems we face in life. Yeah, they also are metaphors for obstacles, um, sufferings, and struggles in life, as it puts a full stop to all activities of life. And I was going through the internet, but I got most of those from um, literacy devices. Mm-hmm. But it's the whole point is like snowstorms make a halt in life, which is what can happen when you have obstacles or you're struggling or you're suffering. Yeah. So it's no coincidence that Sheriff Shields is going, and even Donnie or. Yeah, Donnie, right? His um, second in command or whatever yeah, is also going through his own stuff. Mm-hmm. His deputy, thank you, is going through his own stuff and a snowstorm is coming. So I think the snowstorm itself symbolizes everything that's pretty much 
going on everything not only guilt depression donnie's thing he's dealing with Mm -hmm. which is you know the fact that he was shot and the fact his dad died and dealing with it but then you throw in and then the monsters come in right now people not only have to deal with their personal lives but now they have to deal with this which means you have to protect the people you love you have to protect your town you have to it's a lot to deal with and i think the snowstorm symbolizes pretty much all of that oh yeah for sure in a way it was pretty cool (laughs) like i like they brought the snowstorm in it was like it, it i think it was a perfect symbolism of everything going on in town even though it's not said i feel like most people in the town by the way they act or what they say everyone's struggling with something yes in that town whether i don't know what it can be but the way they talk they're dealing with something even ron who the horse guy as he's talking about number 88 that's missing it's like the undertone where he's talking about he's dealing with something else yes. and now he's just the tip of the iceberg is my horse is missing now i'm pissed right but something else is even and then you have earl who's the bartender you know he talks about which i'll talk about later because i actually really liked how he talks about his story of his ancestors but he's talking about something but you can tell there's something under his you know what he's saying isn't exactly what he's saying Yes. So I feel like it's the town is dealing with some a bunch of different stuff. Everyone's dealing with something. No one's really talking about it. So the snowstorm and the Wendigos are kind of like the metaphors and symbolism of all that's going on. That makes sense. I feel like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The storm. I mean, the storm ultimately represents that everything is coming to a head. Um, uh, everything is heading towards this this climactic event. And uh, the final confrontation, um, and it, one way or the other, either either people are going to come out of it stronger or they're not. I think that's actually a line in the. That's actually a line in the church when uh, the deputy is talking to um, one of the gentlemen, where he says, uh, you know, uh, when he talks about why he's not worried, and he's like, you know, you, everybody's going to come out stronger, um, you know, uh, and so it's it's Earl. It, Earl, yes. And Earl says, you know, that, uh, you know, yeah. when you when you attack something, it comes out stronger. Um, and it's supposed to be, again, that the gun. He also says um, hope. He just talks about hope. Yes. Yeah. Earl. Yeah. Yes. He mm-hmm. says, like, hope. Sometimes that's all that's all you've got. Right. And um, that line, I'm not going to lie, actually hit me very, very hard because my mom always said, Sometimes she said, you always hold on to hope because sometimes it's all you've got. Right. She even said that. She's like, Sarah, you always hold on to hope. because It's all you have to hold on to. And she'd always tell me the story of Pandora's box. Yeah. So that, that line definitely hit me very hard. The it's few good, times I see this yeah. movie, because I'm just like, it, it's true. Like sometimes, and I've told many people that I'm like, sometimes I'm like, you just have to hold on to hope because that's all you have to hold on to. So, yeah, that's when he was talking to Earl about and he hands him the flask and the Donnie's like, yeah, I don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. And Earl's like, all right. Yeah, that was that part. Yeah. I like that scene. I actually liked also that they brought him to the church because mm -hmm. the church is also um, whether you're religious or not, it has a lot of symbolism in it. So, you know, Sheriff towards the end of the movie, Sheriff Shield brings everyone left in town who hasn't evacuated into the church. Um, to keep them safe because the creature has actually Sheriff Shield and his son in his home. Yes. And now he's like, get everyone in the church because, you know, the church is safe. Um, it's hallowed ground. It's considered holy and it's protected by God, which means um, no demons or other evils, quote, evils can enter or be on the ground. So it symbolizes like when Diego's can also be considered evil spirits or demons demonic spirits Mm -hmm. they're safe in there because they're in the church which is why i feel like that's why he brought them there also because i feel like there's a part where um donnie talks about what happened to him yeah with he's on the gurney and he sees it here like you know what went wrong because he was doing so well in life he had a nice girl he was moving up to the force and he often now prays and asks god why right when he never had faith before and I feel like Donnie is the one, he gained faith from um, the obstacle he had to go through. Yeah. But Sheriff Shields lost faith 
when he lost his son mm-hmm. because the priest even says like you don't come around you don't come, i don't see you at church anymore right and he's like same thing in return so i feel like that's also almost a sim- like symbolizing that um sheriff shield is now trying to find his faith again by going to the church to pretend this is safe yeah. because we're now on god's holy grounds we're safe inside this building he's now has lost his faith but like trying to find i feel like it's another little tiny undertone of the movie but not a big one but it's just one i kind of caught because you know it was just that scene with him and the priest saying like you're not anymore and then johnny's like do you ever pray i never did but now i found faith but you know i think I don't know. I, I, I luckily have never lost a child. My, I have one, but I can definitely understand where Sheriff Shields is coming from. Yeah, if my child was taken from me, I'd lose faith too. I'd yeah. probably lose all my faith in God. Yeah. Which I know the big thing actually in the movie, um, big undertone in the movie Signs mm. was the, the, I don't know if Meg Gibson's character was a pastor or a minister, but he, when his wife dies, he loses all faith in God. And then after the aliens come, he actually finds his faith. Yeah. So yeah there's i think there's more than a little uh influence of uh, Kinda, i don't know i was symbolized like finding the faith but i just thought of that too when i saw that mo- this movie i was like it's almost like science he loses his faith but now he's finding it again as these creatures return or these creatures are this creature quote creatures coming into town the first thing he thinks of is we got to get these people to the church that's safe right so i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah Something i picked up on no, there's there's a know. lot of there's a lot of religious undertones in this movie, yeah, um, and uh, and I, I think probably more than a little uh, uh, influence from signs as well, um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it, ultimately, the church would be uh, safe because, and in fact, it's relatively common in a lot of northeastern towns that the the church is also set up to be a, a shelter. Um, and yes. uh, in times of bad storms and stuff like that, they're usually built well um, to have it. And they actually do mention that they have a they have a storm shelter at the church as well. Although for some reason it is um, it, it's packed up with stuff, which I'm like, wait, why do you have a storm shelter if you did? it's not ready to be used? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, but yes, I, I think that the that the church is significant in it, and faith is significant in it. Um, and and hope is significant in it. Um, as far as I mean, it's it it's ineffective. However, I mean, like, um, which I guess maybe comes back to I, I'm not entirely certain that the the themes of this movie coalesce the way they that they that they should, because the church really isn't any safer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no. Other than having the yeah, other than having the shelter, they put the townspeople in. But ultimately, and in even then, of course, the ending of the movie is they're not safe anyway. We don't know what's going to happen next to the to the people of the town. Um, no, it's a very sad ending. Yeah. It, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, it, I, I guess I it, <laughs> it depends on how you want to interpret it. I mean, like, are they are they going to survive the night or not? I guess it's the big question. Um, and I guess that it, it in, in a way, I think that's also uh, in line with the movie's themes of hope as i as a, you as an audience member are you thinking uh, glass half full glass half empty are they going to make it through the night or not um i was just thinking that i was like and maybe it, co- it correlates with the thing of hope is like us as people watching are we hoping they survive after we yeah. sat pan and you know as we say we don't do in canon but yeah the ending yeah is um so then it's a quick ending um everyone's in the church they get shelter sheriff shield and deputy donnie go out to hunt the monster um donnie ends up shooting it uh then sheriff shields gets attacked in the i don't know what the main part of the church is called sorry the sanctuary. where the pews are yeah thank you mm-hmm. I, I haven't been to church in years so yeah. sorry <laughs> so he's in the sanctuary he gets attacked and he ends up stabbing the creature multiple times yeah. it dies he gets the people back up and it's almost like the eye of the storm and uh, not the eye of the storm, like the storm, the eye of the hurricane, everything's yeah. calming down. Everyone's safe. They killed the creature. And then he looks at Donnie, looks at him and Sheriff Shields is like, what is it? And Donnie's like, I, um, he's like, I, I shot it in the shoulder. shoulder, like point blank. Like I took a chunk out of it. And when it pans back to the monster, there's nothing, the shoulders are completely intact and it pans out yeah. and you see through the snowstorm multiple creatures crawling onto the church or 
up to the church and you realize mm-hmm. that it wasn't one monster this whole time. It was, it was a multiple, it was, it was you know, a herd or a family or whatever. So yeah, I feel like, and he goes, I really hope they survive because like, there's that really nice moment where Sheriff Shields and his wife kind of reconcile after everything they've been through. And she's telling him like, you know, you need to, these people will follow you. You're going to protect them. They know you'll protect them. And he's like, I can't Yeah. because I couldn't protect my own son. And then Mm. down in the basement, they both finally say, I love you back to each other. And they're reconciled. And then you see all these monsters come back in the end. I'm just like, come on, like Mm. they got, like, come on. Yeah. Like I'm hoping they live because after everything they've been through and especially Sheriff Shields and his family, after everything they've been through, like this one win. Like, yeah. That's all they want is that one win. Like they live. But, yeah. the, but the thing I was thinking about was they kept saying we have to wait out until morning because those creatures attacked night and day. So to me, it's like, what does it matter if it is morning? Well, in the those morning, monsters are already in the church. They're not going to run away when day. In okay. the in the morning, the uh, the rangers. I don't know. In the morning, the rangers were coming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. There was that's backup. Right, that's there right, was right. backup okay. coming in the. That's in, all I kept thinking of. Yeah, uh, he had called in. The, yeah, he called, right, called okay. in the force. Like, uh... Yeah, and they were going to send two dozen men with with guns to come hunt down whatever the predator was that was in this area. Um, and so they just had to hold out till the storm was over. Uh, also, in theory, when the storm was over, they might be able to make a run for it. But um, but the but yeah, I think the idea That's was supposed true. to be the forest. The, I think the idea was supposed to be the forest rangers are going to come in the morning. The question was whether or not the creature was going to get inside the church or not. And he seemed uh, Sheriff Shield seemed pretty secure in the idea that they would. Um, and uh, and so he he and uh, the deputy go out to try and head it off before it can get to the other people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, uh, my, you know, my, our first instinct is to think that they have, that they're doomed. Um, at least it was mine, which maybe mm-hmm. that's, uh, I think that's maybe just a horror geek response that you just <laughs> assume that you just assume the negative uh, rather than the positive. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it certainly does seem to be a pretty hopeless situation at the end of the film. Um, yeah. And that ultimately maybe uh, maybe that hope was that the hope that they had discussed throughout the film was maybe a little bit misplaced. Um, I do know one of the one of the um, inspirations for this film that I, I did some research was uh, there was an incident in uh, England, Topsom, England in 1855, known as the Devil's Footprints, which was basically oh. the same thing that happened um, when they wake up in the morning, they find the footprints through town. Apparently that that yeah. happened in in england somewhere in 1855 um and so he wanted to the screenwriter had the apparently had the idea of uh trying to come up with a a modern day version how people would react to that um everything else spun out of there um so i mean it's it's got its roots in in you know in a sense of reality that uh, uh and of the unknown and um you know, even explanations in the film are, you know, they range from, you know, the deputy even saying, uh, you know, about ancient fish that are discovered all the time. And these creatures could still be out there, which is all, yeah. all, all in very much in line with the whole cryptid concept. The idea that there are these species of creature that uh, are around. We just haven't really encountered them uh, or proven they exist. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just which is the whole idea, I think, behind cryptids. Yeah. yeah, like that's like the whole idea behind cryptids is that because there's a part where he says, "Now I got to go through all my notes and figure out where I wrote it because I don't write numbers or anything." But he talks about how, you know, maybe they learned to adapt, maybe they learned to hide, maybe they had, you know, even to they're always been here, but they just learned to, well, you know, hide. And they lived, and he says they lived in the remote areas, but that's like the whole idea of like behind cryptids that people are like, well, if this thing exists and it's 10 feet tall, how come no one's seen it? And the idea is that because around for so long, they have adapted to their environment. They have learned how to hide and they have learned how to avoid humans basically. And that's the whole idea behind uh, a cryptid is that they just, they, they have learned 
they've adapted they've evolved to get to this point yeah so i i like i kind of liked how we talked about that because it is like the whole idea behind cryptids in general is that they they have done that mm-hmm. that's why you know you can only see glimpses of them or people encounter them here and there but there's no proof because you know i don't know they can hide they can adapt they can blend in they can right. camouflage you know they they've learned all these skills and then he but these ones were basically um run out like um smoked out i guess would be the right way because in the beginning of the movie which i actually like the opening of the movie mm-hmm. personally i thought it was a really good opening yeah so you got the logging company they're in the forest and the first thing i'm of course i'm seeing as they're clearing out this forest is like it's devastation like they are clearing out a home like this they're destroying the land they are these are homes to animals and whatever else is out there this is someone's home and they are just it's the destruction of nature mm-hmm. of mother nature which is you know in native american culture you don't do like right. you don't piss her off because she will come back and she will have her revenge basically yeah anything, so that's yeah. the whole thing i have always think i always think of as i'm seeing that it's like you're destroying these people's homes like this is this you know they're gonna have to go somewhere Right, and then it's you know Jesse's crew's left, and the guy, the foreman's trying to get a hold of him, and he's like, he's not hearing anything. Finally, he hears a very weak hello. He goes out and investigates, finds the arm, looks up in the air because he gets blood dripped on him. You don't mm. see what's up there, but he sees something, and then he tries to get in his his truck to leave, and it's attacked. And then it's like ninety miles south is Maiden Woods, and then that's how the sheriff shields actually connects everything was that the logging company had done this two weeks earlier this was a remote area this creature probably learned to survive up there but once the logging happened it was had to move it had to go somewhere else Mm -hmm. and now and then at one point he even says he's like i think it's fighting for territory like now this he's looking the creature's looking at it this is now my home now and if i had to fight for it right and it's avoided human beings and now it has to like i don't know but I like that. The the I like these kind of movies that deal with destruction of nature because you know that's the one thing I learned growing up with Native American mom is you don't destroy to destroy. You don't um, you don't even kill just to kill. Like you kill out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Everything you do has a purpose. Yes. So like um I guess a uh, quick explanation is like so when Native Americans would kill a deer. They would go out, they'd hunt. Um, the first thing they did was thank Great Spirit for providing the deer mm-hmm. to feed the the tribe. Not only feed the tribe, but the bones are used for tools and um, jewelry, the meat for food, mm-hmm. the skin for housing and clothing. So everything's used, nothing's wasted. Right. So you thank Great Spirit for providing the deer. And then you actually thank the deer spirit for, for its life for the tribe. And then you pray that it has... Um, a safe journey to the spirit world right so there everything's done for a reason you don't just do things out of i don't know there's no hunting for sport there's no destruction because you want to build something new like everything's done isn't because they're a circle of life and like a movie like this is like it, it shows what happens when you don't think about well when humans don't think about anyone but themselves we, we're logging we want to use this land so we're going to destroy it screw whatever lives there well guess what what lives there has now has to adapt and move to another area and now it's going to kill the people there because it doesn't understand it doesn't know and Mm. it's just going to go on instinct which is i'm going to fight for this territory now this is my home and these people are are in it so Mm -hmm. that's just me that's just you know that's just how i look at these kind of things because it's just it was how i was raised yeah i think i think it's like seen out seen yeah i think the film the (laughs) film The film broaches it. Yeah, the film, uh, the film broaches that subject, but it doesn't really elaborate on it. And um, which is again, I, I just I, I feel like there's just a lot of disparate ideas that don't quite connect. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they they that that certainly is the explanation as to why these creatures have have attacked uh, is that they don't have a, a the natural habitat. I mean, also I noticed um, your. Uh, your thing about quiet woods is back too uh yes i know yeah yeah when they mentioned <laughs> I said uh, that they mentioned uh, one of the first things they mentioned is that there's no deer around anymore 
and uh, yep. because the new a new predator has entered the area, so all of the uh, all of the indigenous creatures have began to uh, to flee. So, yeah, Earl says, thought, Earl talks about it. He says, yeah. yeah, he. But an animal senses a threat, but when an animal senses a threat, they tend not to hang around. Yeah, it's the first thing I thought of was like quiet woods. Quiet woods. Howl. I mentioned that it's one of those things. Yeah, a threat is around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you made that connection. Yay. I didn't think, I don't know. No, uh, I just, I, I remember when they said it, I was like, oh, Sarah, she's, Sarah's going to love that. You know, there's the, <laughs> the quiet woods again, but yeah, it's, um, yep. it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting element. Uh, and it's, it's, like I said, there's a lot of really, really interesting elements in this movie. And, um, and I, I, I just don't know if they all get to quite connect at the end of the day. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also really enjoyed um, Lucas Haas in this movie, uh, and Lucas Haas was a, a something of a, a big star, like twenty years ago in the nineties. He was in a lot. I don't. Of I actually don't even. I didn't know him from anything but this movie. Really? Oh yeah, he did a lot so, of stuff. He did yeah. a lot of stuff in the nineties. Um, he was. Uh, he, he started in a, a, as he was a child actor. He went on and I think he did some stuff in his twenties and then more or less it disappeared. Um, so this is sort of like his return in many ways. Um, he, and uh, he's, he's quite good in it. Um, let me see if I can find a couple of Lucas Haas titles. Mm -hmm. I know that he was in, um, uh, he was in yeah Mars attacks. Uh, he was in, um, I remember he was as a child, he did a film called uh, uh, Lady in White, which was is a highly underrated little ghost story that I, I highly recommend people see. Um, he, did a, he did a movie called Boys with, uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, went on a writer. Um, but yeah, he did. He did quite a few films uh, in the in the '90s, early 2000s, and then he kind of didn't do a lot. So this is this is him kind of uh, showing up again, and uh, and doing a really a really really interesting uh, interesting job. He's a very very understated character, and I remember really really liking him. Um, like I said, I'm actually was way more invested in the story about these two cops dealing with their mm -hmm. issues than I was in any monster movie. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, that by the time the monster, the act, the action actually begins, I was kind of like, I'm not even, I'm not that invested in the, in the town's well-being as much as I am in the, is, uh, is Sheriff Shields ever going to, you know, deal with his issues is, is, uh, right. is the deputy going to feel, is the deputy going to feel, uh, uh, useful again? Um, you know, uh, because that the entire concept of him is that he's sort of hiding out he's he's he felt like he couldn't hack it in the uh in the big in city yeah and so he's yeah. come north to kind of take it easy and uh and but at the same time he's feeling uh inadequate and uh it's a very very interesting character that uh I, that to the point where i almost feel like this the, that I, this would have been a better movie if it weren't a horror movie and we're just about sad people in northern in uh uh, uh <laughs> northern new york yeah. um you know uh but what 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 works about it absolutely is these is these are very very well-drawn characters and uh there's a, it's a, it's, a yeah the underlying story yeah i loved uh one of my favorite scenes was uh the parent-teacher conference um oh my god yes yeah where uh, <laughs> the two have a have a nice light-hearted sort of bonding moment over the fact that the teacher thinks the word pecker is uh, uh, a, a horrible, horrible word to say in a class. And that's me as a parent right there. I was going to say, I, I don't have children myself, but I feel like I would have the exact same reaction. I would be like, it's just the word pecker. And then, of course, it turns uh, yeah. emotional again when she mentions that uh, the, the boys is mentioning his brother in the present tense, uh, calling out the, the parents, uh, uh, in a way, calling out the parents' inability to move on um has moved on to has has gone to their child which is again a very serious psychological yes. element um mm -hmm. that uh, uh that the kid uh, it, it was another understated character we don't learn too much about the kid it's all very secondhand um but what we have again is another character who who doesn't understand 
he can't quite figure it out. Like he, he, he can't figure out why his parents aren't together. Uh, he's referring to his yes. brother as in present tense. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful, heartbreaking story about a family that has disintegrated after a tragedy um, that I just wish the monster was a little bit more metaphorical of um same yeah. like like i was thinking you know, like jaws you know uh, uh you know the the shark is the is a metaphor for uh sheriff brody's uh fear of the water you know um right you know if it mm-hmm. were uh that i i mean almost to the point of like the actual use of a more traditional wendigo i think would have actually made it work a little bit better if it was a possession story that uh, mm-hmm. the Wendigo spirits were possessing people and therefore it would become a metaphor of, you know, uh, that hopelessness yeah. is making you, is making, is making the town open to it. And uh, it, it, you know, that yeah. they've opened up something. Um, instead we get, you know, uh, logging caused, caused monsters to yeah. go get mean and uh, happen to attack a town where there's a bunch of sad people. And, um, and it, which is, you know, is fine. I mean, I think there's also a lot of Stephen King uh, uh, influence here too. The idea of a, of a small community uh, dealing with something out of their, out of, out of their control. It feels very, uh, very Stephen King to me. I don't know if you feel that way as well, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I but just I, do that now. But I was just thinking about what you said about that little um, scene with the parents and the yeah. parent-teacher conference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only been six months. Yes. And the fact that the teacher is saying like that, like he needs to move on. It's been, it'll be three years, May 1st this year that my mom has been gone. Yeah. And I still at times feel like it's yesterday. The fact that the teacher is like, it's, he needs to move on. It's been six months. It's like, wow, that is yeah. just wow like I don't even know like if I, I probably wouldn't and I'll say this I probably wouldn't even have handled it as well as they did if a teacher talked to me like that yeah about something yeah. like that I would be like it's been six months okay like yeah. it hasn't even been that, that long like I could understand if it had been like years since the kid died this is very recent mm-hmm. like this tragedy is recent yeah. you know most people you know you hit that first year mark and then I don't know how to explain this, but like the real, not the real suffering, but the realness of what happens actually hits you after the first year. The first year you're numb, you're still yeah. dealing with it. You don't even understand that it's real. You still wake yeah. up every morning thinking that person's going to be downstairs when you wake up. And right. not. That first year hits and then it's like, wow, you're experiencing everything. The first holidays, the first birthdays, all time and it's Mm -hmm. been six months and this teacher is basically telling these parents that their son has to deal with it and get over it yeah i just that's not a good teacher in my book no no. definitely not a good teacher like and even if it has been years like if he wants to talk about his brother in the present tense let him talk about his brother in the present tense yeah well there's a lot of there's a lot of that's just like that yeah there's a lot of a lot about sorry there's a lot of there's a lot about repression in this movie um uh repressed emotions um or rather restrained emotions it's that's people not expressing themselves um you know uh and so that scene is is very very is meant to be is is very cold um and then the teacher's very cold and then uh but you mentioned like when you said uh you know they handled it better than you would uh but we also see that many times from the show um when people are are giving him a hard time about something he's he's keeps it really under control except kevin duran plays it with this seething rage uh that he can't do anything with um another scene i absolutely loved was uh when the the dick i can't remember the guy's name brings up his son him in the bar yeah and then jim in the bar when when donnie's yeah. like can i hit him no yeah, can i hit him yeah <laughs> donnie says can i hit him and, and he says, can i hit no. him i haven't decided yet yeah I, I, no i'm still <laughs> deciding yeah um which is a great it's another great moment yeah. of like the idea <laughs> I'm that, still the, deciding. that these two characters that this character is is keeping uh is keeping his emotions so tightly wrapped up at all times which is part of the reason why he hasn't been able to mm-hmm. deal with tim's death is because he's not allowing himself to feel uh, to allow himself to feel would be a loss of control, and he needs to maintain that control. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, 
it's a brilliant character with a really, really, really brilliant performance by Kevin Durant. Um, uh, can't yes. say enough about it in this film in particular. It's he's, he and Lucas Haas easily far and away the best parts of this movie. Um, I mean, yeah, so but there's I mean, that one opening shot. Part of the opening shot is him. Uh, it pans the town and then it shows him at the um, playground. Yes. It's a very quick shot, but it shows, yeah. opens up, sh- pans, shows him on the playground and the, he's not even like doing anything, but you can just see, you can feel everything he's feeling in that one quick yeah. little shot of yep. him. Well, he on looks, that bench. He makes- you know, something happened, something tragic. He makes direct uh, mm-hmm. direct contact, direct eye contact with the audience uh, in that shot mm-hmm. as well, and um, and uh, so yeah, yes. I mean it's it's a, very much a story about repressed emotions, uh, something something kept hidden, something kept uh, kept controlled. So I mean, I guess in that way, if you wanted to make the reach, there's your metaphor of the monsters are something that was uh, hidden away or repressed by uh, by nature. That has now been unleashed um, yes. due to a traumatic event. Um, but like mm-hmm. I said, you, you, unfortunately, there you, we have go. To, you have to make some reaches. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it's it, it's I can't say enough good work good words about uh, Kevin Durant in this film. I think he's just it's a it's a really no. Good... I said I said that was the first thing I noticed was that he's a great actor. Like he's usually a character actor. I remember him, of course. I watched The Strain, so he was in The Strain. Um, he was in was right. it X Men Origins? That's right, he was. He's been in a lot more, but like he's usually like the character actor. He's usually not really yeah. front and center. So to see him carry an entire movie by himself is, and I, I not that I didn't think he could. He's a great actor. Like he's phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. And there's like another scene that really hit me hard was that it's towards the beginning when he picks up Adam and he has him at home and he's trying to make dinner and he's kind of fumbling on it. Mm-hmm. Then he puts Adam to bed and as he turns off the light, he looks at the empty bed of Tim's. Yeah. And it's just that little look in his eye and you can just oh, you just feel that like grief and sadness and guilt and that devastation of losing a child and it's mm-hmm. not even a long scene. It's like 10 seconds, not even no. of him looking at the bed and the tears starting to well up in his eyes. And you can even tell while he's, the tears are in his eyes, he's trying to hold it back and control it because mm-hmm. not only does he have a child, he has to be strong for it, but he's the sheriff of the town that he has to be strong for. So I'm wondering like, that that's probably why he's repressing is because he feels he has to be strong for everyone. He's the one who's protecting the town and the people of the that's, town and then his family and he has a child he has to think about. That's and you know, when you, when, huh? I was going to say, that's his excuse. I, I, sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah, that's his excuse at any rate. He, want, he, he, he tells himself that, I'm sure. But he, in reality, he doesn't want to deal with it. You know, he doesn't want to move on because he, he feels guilty. He feels like it's his fault. So, well, I mean, he but, feels yeah, that it was his fault. Because- but, he'll tell everybody, but he'll tell himself it's because he needs to be strong for everyone. You know, and, and it's actually even throughout the entire film, our characters telling him it's okay to not be strong and he's like nope gotta be strong like uh the other uh again i don't remember the character's name but the guy in the truck when he calls comes up tells him about the deer he says we're all praying for you like everybody's earl. every yeah, earl yeah. everybody in this movie is telling him it's okay to 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 feel mm-hmm. things and then he's like nope i uh, i gotta keep everything under control because if I don't, who does? But it's, it's an excuse. In reality, the psychological, the, the psychology of it is he just doesn't want to break down. And it's, uh, it's, it's really. Uh, but, and I can, I can, I can understand that in mm-hmm. a way. Um, when you have a child yeah. and something happens like that, um, you can't actually break down in front of your child. No. Like it's, it's very hard to um grieve and have that when you have a child because you do have in in actuality you have to be strong for the child so i'm not against the town like as opposed to the town like yeah i think he's definitely repressing it but when it comes to his own child he has to be strong because he's still taking care of this kid and when a child watches you break down it actually it 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 hurts the child because every time i cry in front of my daughter my daughter starts to cry and i can't Mm -hmm. i don't want that i don't want her to feel that way right. so i have to wait till she i have to hold this 
thing and then once she goes to bed i can break down all i want yeah so i think with his son i definitely understand where he's coming from it's like you have to be strong you're still a parent you still have to take care of them you have to get up you have to get them to school you have to get them dressed you have to get them fed you have to tend to them sure. you have to do all these things with a child because you're a parent it is hard to have that moment to break down and um deal with the the guilt or the grief when my for me it was grief in bereavement and mm-hmm. depression um with a kid involved so with the kid i understand that with the town as the sheriff he could have taken time off you know he could have taken and said you know guess what deputy donnie you're in charge now i need time to grieve the loss of my son yeah i need time to get help to deal with you know the guilt i'm feeling but when yeah. it comes to a child, it is a little hard to have that breakdown and you do kind of have to repress things, not because you want to, yeah, but, but because in a way you have to. Yeah, but his wife is going hard. to therapy. You know, his wife is going to therapy. She's, doing stuff. She is. He's not. Uh, and well, that's so what it, I mean. He can at least go to therapy. It's yeah. So the child isn't the, the child is another is another excuse for him. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to deal with it. And so he can tell himself that it's because I, I can't, I can't, you know, his child's not around at all times. He's not, uh, he has, he has. Well, no, no, no. He, for him, it's, yeah. No, for him, it's, he's not. But I can just relate. Yeah. But I'm also a single mom who yeah. had, has my daughter all the time. Right. But I can relate to him in that area of having mm. to be strong and having to save face for the child. But everything else, yeah, he, I did go to therapy. So I think he should have gone to therapy mm. or turned to wherever he needed to. Some people do turn to church some people go therapy some people go on vacation some people take a week and just do nothing you know everyone has their dealing with things and i feel like he tried to cover it with diving deep into work and i don't feel like that's always the the right thing to do is into work because it's just especially with his job it's like you're taking care of other people and protecting other people and he even says at one point can't protect these people i couldn't even protect him so mm-hmm. like protecting the town was not going to help him because in the back of his mind, how am I going to help these people when I couldn't even help my own child? Yeah. So that was definitely, I think he just thought, eh, work, I can do work and that'll exactly. take my mind up. But it's like, no, not when, not in the back of your mind, when you're saying I couldn't even protect child, how can I protect these people? Mm-hmm. You got to deal with it at that point. Yes. Yep. I, yeah, I'm with you on that for that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I sometimes just think of things after we talk because I'm like, ooh, that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. some people do that. They have to dive into work. Me, I had to have time to yeah. heal. And I t- went to therapy every week. And even, in fact, um, the nice thing was that my daughter could come because my therapist was very understanding that now I'm a single mom. I don't have someone to watch her. Mm-hmm. So she her and she let her play with whatever she wanted in her office. Yep. And then her and I just talked. And if we had to talk about specific people she knew about we just used code words so it worked out for me but um now i'm trying to think if there's anything else i want to talk about because i really liked the movie and i wrote like a bunch of different quotes because i really liked all of like the um um foreshadowing mm-hmm. that there was like the talks there was i did okay oh yeah i want to talk about earl really quick about his little story about so he said he talks about how his grandmother was full Shawnee which is Native American and mm-hmm. she told stories of these woods and then he says the spirits that roamed in the trees see um they say when the white man came here he didn't respect the land or the spirits so they came after him mm-hmm. men women and children and he talked and why I left that scene was because one he's talking about Native American lore or lore or the Native Americans um spirituality i guess yeah which is wendigo stories and he's talking about it but he also mentions um he says something he says his grandmother and he says it's been passed down from generation to generation in stories which is actually um oral storytelling which is native american um they never wrote anything down they didn't even have a written language all they had was spoken language and oral storytelling is like a big big thing in Native American community is that mm-hmm. you don't read stories to the to the children you tell them and you pass it down from generation to generation to generation so for me that was great because I had the stories that my mom told me mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. who she heard from her father, who heard from his mother and so on and on. It's passed down through the generations. So for mm-hmm. me, it was very fun to hear that story because it was like, wow, that is like our our heritage. Like we pass right. things down and it's supposed to be like nothing's supposed to be written down. It's supposed to be also. And when you're an elder, you're basically a library. They say like you just have your mind is full of stories that you can tell and teach the young ones. Right. So for me, that's I just really like that scene for me because it was just like one. He's he's basically saying what's happening is that when you don't respect the land, this is what happens. They come right. after you because right. that's what happens. You know, you don't respect Mother Nature; she comes after you. But at the same time, he's like, "But this is part of our heritage. We're oral storytellers." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yes, we are." I mean, I don't remember all the stories, which is bad, but I remember my mom never really read me books. A lot. She told me stories, which was because she heard the stories. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I like that scene. That was fun for me. But then there was other ones where he says, like, um, there's a scene about the birds I really liked. When all they look up and they see those like thousands and thousands Mm -hmm. of birds. Yeah. And they're just like dumbstruck by it. And eventually he's like, these birds leaving. It's closer to spring than fall. They're supposed to be flying north and they're going south. Yeah. So like Sheriff Shields is actually piecing things together. When he first sees the tracks, he's like, no, these tracks, um, Johnny's like, they look like horse prints. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, the spacing's wrong. This thing was on two feet. Yeah. And so like Sheriff Shields is not dumb. No, not at all. I like too that he's not, he's not, after, he's, he's slowly piecing things together. And even though he doesn't believe mm-hmm. in monsters, he still starts to pull in and make, like facts because he even says he's like remember that fish you told me he's like well maybe these creatures do exist but we just haven't seen them because they learn to adapt and live in the environment and hide from us humans Mm -hmm. so he's i really like that he was i I like when the cop is not a dumb cop sometimes that kind of annoys me in movies especially horror movies is the cops always like a dumb cop yeah you know, like they don't know anything. They're just, you know, doing the grunt work and, and he's not mm-hmm. dumb. He's smart. He's piecing throughout the entire movie. He's piecing things together slowly, slowly, slowly. And he's starting to realize he's the one who figures it all out. Yeah. He figures out it's the wind or the Wendigo. He figures out it was the logging company that, you know, drove him down here. He's the one who figures out everything. So I, I kind of like that too about him. Yeah. So that's most of the stuff I actually had, to yeah. be quite honest. There's more quotes I wrote down, but I think we pretty much covered what I I found interesting in the movie. I just think it's a really good movie. It was just one it of those is. movies I found, and I really liked the pacing. I liked that it was a slow burn, and like I said, I really liked that it's really a movie about grief yeah. and suffering and guilt mm-hmm. and dealing with something, whatever it is, because like I said, the, everyone in the town is dealing with something, but then it's the monsters are kind of coming in and almost kind of in a way like making the people have to to face what they're dealing with yeah. because now they have an obstacle in the way that they have to deal with that they can't ignore anymore well you can't right. ignore this problem because it is here and you ignore it mm-hmm. it's going to kill us right so in a way it's kind of making them face and deal with their problems because they have to now so mm-hmm. i just thought it was a good i just said it was just one of those movies i really liked um wasn't really a fan of the CGI of the monster no. because throughout the rest of it, you could tell it was practical effects. Yeah. When they showed the feet and stuff and little, and so when they finally showed the reveal, I was kind of like, really? Yeah. You couldn't just make a practical, and, and I, I am one who doesn't like CGI, but I don't mind CGI a little bit here and there to tweak things. But to go from like a great, practical effects of these monster legs that were wonderful and then to go to the cgi monster that you could tell was cgi yeah. Yeah. i just it kind of that did kind of ruin it for me when they actually revealed the monster the mo- yeah, because the even when they showed it dead on the ground it didn't look that bad huh yeah, yeah the monsters the monster's not great yeah. no i think it would have been better if they kept it completely practical or just kept it hidden yeah and just showed and even at the very end, when they show the dead one on the in the sanctuary, it doesn't look that bad. It's no, you know, I just I don't know. Should have kept this one. They should have kept the practical effects and just used the CGI for when the monster is running or something. But when they finally show that showdown between Sheriff Shields and the monster, and I'm just like, 
Uh, that's the one part of the movie I didn't like. I will say, I'm like, that's the one part I was not a fan of. I didn't yeah. like. It kind of removed me from the movie in a way. It was kind of like, the design I didn't mind. The yeah. Wasn't horrible, but it would have looked better practical effects wise. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, yeah, the CGI just threw me off a little. So, was there anything else you wanted to add? Or, um, I don't know if you, I, I feel like we covered everything I wanted to talk about. I think so. we've, well, I think it wasn't really many kills it. for me to talk about. Nope. <laughs> huh? Nope. Nope. No real kills. Yeah. No, that's all right. It was a slow yeah. burn. It was more mm-hmm. at, um, atmospheric, I guess. Like I said. Yep. But anyone listening out there, I think it's a good movie you should watch. Like I said, I think it's a, it's a good one. If you like slow burn movies and, you know, not a lot of creature action, but like glimpses. And it's more of like a thriller. Like it's making you use your imagination to what is really happening. So it's, and it's, uh, it's, sometimes it's, those movies work. It's a pretty strong uh, character study. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So. All right, we are going to wrap up this episode on Dark Was the Night. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us here today on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Sarah Sin, with my partner in crime, Nathaniel. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, thank you again for listening. And again, I'd just like to remind everyone that there is a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you.